Hello, and welcome to MGMA Small Talk, where we discuss issues facing practice administrators across the healthcare world. I'm Shannon Geis, staff writer and editor at MGMA, and today I'm speaking with Shelley Wagoner, Vice President of Human Resources here at MGMA. Shelley has a feature article in the upcoming August issue of MGMA Connection called Keepers, How to Retain and Empower Your Best Employees. She is also leading several human resource management sessions at the MGMA 2017 annual conference, happening October 8th through 11th in Anaheim, California, including a featured session on emotional intelligence. Shelley is here with us today to talk about steps you can take to make sure your best employees stay with you. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, so first, I want to talk about what retention is and why it's important, particularly right now. Yes. Retention is really a um, buzzword right now in the field of human resources and in businesses alike. When we think about just what it costs to run a business today, we all know that retaining an employee is much more advantageous for us and our businesses than to look at hiring new talent in the marketplace. And um, with the current marketplace and the unemployment rates being so low um, today, what we are finding is that now is such an incredible time for staff, um, future talent, to look for an opportunity for which they um, desire. And so there's more opportunities than available talent in the marketplace, and employees really have their choice about where they would like to spend their time. And so now more than ever, it's important that we think about how we retain our top performers and maybe even how we think about moving those that are low performers in our organization out so that we can find high performers um, to be part of the organization. Great. Um, so what are some of the steps that you would um, recommend uh, practices man uh, practice administrators take uh, to encourage employees to stay? What are some of those, those retention strategies? You know, I think there's a number of retention strategies that are out in the marketplace. You know, I think probably the most important piece of retention is really about how you engage your staff on a day-to-day -day basis. So, you know, most of us want someone to interact with us. Um, it might sound a little crazy to say uh, that it, just the simple things, the hellos, the good mornings, the how are you. Um, if we take a few minutes to engage with our staff and let them know how important they are to us and show some interest in who they are as individuals in the workplace, I find that that will serve us well longer term. So it can, it can be the simple things in terms of, of connection. I think outside of that, setting really clear expectations around roles and responsibilities and helping employees understand how they achieve those um, is something that really helps to retain employees. And then um, meeting them right where they are. How do you talk to them about their career aspirations, their career journey, and helping to uh, create a journey, if you will, of growth. And um, whether that's within your organization, your practice, your system, and whatever it happens to be, employers are typically looking for continuing to grow themselves in their current roles. And if you can play a role in that process, you have the ability to uh, retain someone longer term. Sure. So you talk about engagement, and I'm wondering if you could um, talk about that a little bit more specifically. What does it mean to be engaged as, as an employee or as a staff member? So when I think about engagement um, as a whole, 
there's really three def- different definitions, if you will, around the engagement piece here. And really what I'm thinking about is the amount of discretionary effort that an employee is willing to put into the work product that they produce every day. And we see this, um, most of us can uh, see those individuals that come to work every day and um, are looking to give 150% in everything that they do. They take great pride in their work, but they also demonstrate their interest in the organization's success. And I think that really is a big differentiator when we can, um, as employees, look beyond who we are as individuals and think about the greater good of of the organization, the practice, the system um, that we are working for. Great. Um, and you've already mentioned this a little bit, but I want to go into it a little bit deeper. Um, so what are, so as an employer, what are things that you can do to increase that engagement if you are seeing that your staff isn't as actively engaged as you'd like? Yeah, I mean, I one of the things that I enjoy um, encouraging our management team to do here is to engage with their employees outside of the typical performance review cycle. And um, I think stay interviews are a very powerful way to connect with employees and help them really see what interests them beyond the, the goals that are set in front of them. So when we talk about a stay interview, it's really about how do you find out the things that make somebody tick? Um, how do you find out the things that will motivate somebody to stay? What are the barriers that prevent them from doing their best level of work? And uh, when you can create an environment where um, you can engage with your employee outside of maybe even the office, the practice, and, you know, take them for a cup of coffee and just have a conversation about, you know, um, where are you? And, um, you know, what is it that you love about your job? And what are the things that would prohibit you from wanting to be here long term? And how can I, as your leader, help to support you in the work that you do every day? And I think when we um, demonstrate that genuine interest that's outside of those, you know, quantitative goals that we set at the beginning of a year and just really engage with them on a much more personal level, I think we will find the things that are unique to each individual person. So the long and short, I I guess, is that there's not one specific answer. Um, I think as leaders, our goal is to be able to reach our employees right where they are, understand um, the things that motivate them, the things that they're looking for in long-term growth, and, um, and how can we as, as leaders adjust our style to try to meet the needs of, of our individual employees. And, you know, I think through our efforts, um, employees will see uh, the consistency of the work um, over time. Great. Um, I'm really interested in this idea of the stay interview because I think um, it's starting to be, I'm starting to hear it more often, but I think it's still a relatively um, novel concept to many. And so um, what are the different ways that that can, what are the different forms that can take? Um, Obviously, it's going to be a little bit different depending on probably your business or, you know, your relationship with your employees. But what do you think um, a successful stay interview really looks like? Well, I think, you know, I I think that's a great um, commentary because it is fairly new in the marketplace. Um, I would say it's starting to get some traction in the last several years. And really what the intention of a stay interview is to replace what is the typical exit interview. And so often what we have found is that 
Um, rather than waiting until somebody walks out the door to find out why they're leaving your organization, if we can find out the reasons why they potentially would leave sooner, uh, we might be able to do something with that information. And so um, I think that's really where stay interviews are so powerful is helping to engage them today to say, you know, what are the things that I can do today to help you be more successful? And as your leader, how do I remove those barriers that prohibit you from really being able to work at your best, your as your best version of self? And um, when we, as leaders, take the time to engage with our employees beyond the day-to-day office work and show a truly authentic, genuine interest in them as individuals and in their um, future growth, I think we reap the rewards um, tenfold. And so, um, you know, it doesn't have to be anything formal. You know, I, I, I often tell our leaders, you know, do it outside of the performance management cycle. Find a time that works for you. Do it in a place that gives you the opportunity to not um, be connected to your phones and to your email and to your computer um, or a place where you might be interrupted. So find a place, whether that's lunch, a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Um, maybe it is in a conference room, but, you know, move your chair to the side so that you remove that idea of, um, of, of typical office type of politics, but really make it about a comfortable setting where you can engage together. That's great. Um, another thing that you mentioned um, in your article for, um, for MGMA Connection is um, the idea of uh, encouraging growth opportunities. Um, and that, uh, especially for maybe a small practice that doesn't have a lot of resources, what are some of the ways that you can do that without, you know, going beyond your means? Sure. Yeah, I think that's always a question that I get, even organizationally um, here at MGMA. You know, we're a smaller organization as well, and so when we look at thinking about career growth and career opportunities for for employees, and particularly in a small group practice type of setting, it's thinking beyond a vertical orientation to growth. And I think when we can connect with individuals around how do we provide some level of horizontal growth, meaning what... what um, other opportunities are available within the office. So maybe there's an opportunity to cross-train with somebody else. You know, if you've got an AP clerk and an AR clerk, maybe you have them um, cross-train with one another. Or maybe you give someone an opportunity to take a lead on a project that they might not otherwise um, be able to lead. You know, I think it's really, again, helping to meet employees where they are. Um, And I think be transparent with them about what level of growth is available within the practice. You know, I think for for leaders, you know, it's important that we understand that whether we choose to engage them now or not, if employees are looking for growth, they're going to seek out growth, whether it's within your practice or outside of your practice. And what I have found in my years in human resources is that the more that you are transparent about where growth um, is available from a vertical place and um, encourage employees to think about, you know, what what things would they want to learn that maybe are not traditional in their job duties today, but could be an opportunity for growth in the coming year, and then deliver on that. And Generally speaking, I think when we do that and we give folks opportunity to really step up in different ways, 
Um, sometimes it means that we create a new position because they've demonstrated a need within your um, practice, or we get them to a level of competency where they stay for a period longer because they're excited about what they get to experience, um, and then they're better prepared for, for what's next. But at the end of the day, they do represent your practice, they represent your brand, and um, it's up to us to give them those opportunities because it will serve us tenfold um, on the backside. That's great. Um, along a similar line of thinking, um, one of the most obvious ways of, of retaining employees is to really offer great benefits or a great compensation plan. But if you aren't maybe able to give um, an increase in pay, what are some of the other ways that you can increase your benefits to your employees? Yeah, I think, you, you know, benefits is really a challenging subject. Um, I think this day and age, they are outrageously expensive, and it is difficult to try to provide a package that's meaningful um, to each individual employee. And I know I've already talked a lot about, you know, just really meeting employees where they are, but I think that holds true here as well. You know, I think when it comes to maybe a small group practice, I think there's several things that we could think about. Um, one is maybe just consider offering a defined contribution amount of money that you would provide to each employee to use as they would like towards benefits. And so rather than saying, okay, here's what we have for health insurance and dental insurance and take it or leave it, um, you provide an opportunity for those that, that might not maybe want that you know, extra life insurance or the individual that says, you know, 401k may match, maybe doesn't matter as much to me as tuition reimbursement does. And so as we're able to allow individuals to stratify their dollars in a way that meets them where they are in their particular career, uh, I think that is a great way um, for small practices to provide benefits that are meaningful. I think outside of that, I would just say, you know, thinking about things that are the the intangible, you know, um, it doesn't take much to bring in coffee for the group or maybe, you know, buy a sub from, you know, Sam's Club or something like that. You know, it's the little things, I think, that matter, um, that feel like benefits to employees. You know, bring in a grill and uh, grill up some hot dogs and, you know, take some time at the lunch hour to just have time together to connect so I think sometimes we think about it in big dollars, and at the end of the day, it's really the gesture to an employee that you think about them um, beyond just the transactional work that they might do. Great. Well, I want to shift gears a little bit, um, because you're leading a session at annual conference about emotional intelligence, um, which is a really interesting concept. Uh, and so I, would, I was wondering if you could give us sort of a brief overview on what emotional intelligence is and why it can be so important. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm just really excited to be able to come back uh, to annual conference this year and talk about emotional intelligence again. I feel really um, passionate about emotional intelligence really being your number one competitive advantage in business today. And, um, you know, I think from a, an overarching perspective of how do you look at employees in the workplace and how do you look at, you know, talent and those that are most engaged with you. And what we find really, I think, as employers is that IQ is important. Um, it certainly accounts for some level of success in business. But at the end of the day, EQ is really what is most important today. And um, 
Emotional intelligence has a number of, of components, tenants to it, if you will. It's really your ability to recognize and, and understand emotions in yourself and others, and really to have the ability to use that awareness, use what you learn to manage your behavior and your relationships. And so there's really four skills with emotional intelligence. It's, it's all about, on a personal level, how self-aware are you uh, of your own emotions, and how you come across. So what do I recognize in myself? And then self-management is just really about what I do in response to what I, what I feel, if you will. So I think once you become self-aware and, and understand how you come across and how you're perceived to others, I think there's an opportunity to also self-manage that and respond in a way that um, is meaningful. And then I think on the other side, um, it's really about the social skills. So it's about social awareness and relationship management. And social awareness is really just about what I see in others and then what do I do for others. And so one of the biggest components of this is really about empathy and understanding others' perspectives, where they come from, uh, valuing differing um, opinions on things in the workplace, and really making sure that you use that information to leverage your relationships every single day. And so in this session, really, our hope is to provide you with some very tangible takeaways. What could you do tomorrow to increase your level of emotional intelligence? And so we'll be providing 10 tips, 10, 10 takeaways um, that I hope uh, you will find to be very valuable um, in the work that you do going forward. Great. Well, we've covered a lot of really valuable information. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add or make sure um, people listening know? You know, I, I think we did cover a, a lot today. And, um, you know, I think what I would say is that, you know, I think at some level why we talk a lot about retention, I might just add that, that a little bit of turnover is okay too. And so I think there's often this notion that, you um, that turnover is a bad thing in an organization. And what I would say to you all is that we want to retain our top performers. But when we have individuals in the workplace that turn over, that, that maybe um, operate in, a, in an average type of performance or low performance, they really can impact the group. And so thinking about the dynamics in your practices, thinking about the individuals that you have, and um, and making sure that you have people that um, are committed to the work that you're doing as an organization um, and helping to transition those that are not. And knowing that when someone leaves, um, it might provide an opportunity for some type of new talent to infuse into your practice, into the workplace, um, that really can take your group to the next level. And so as, as much as I um, advocate for retention, I think that's, that's one of the most important things we should be thinking about today. I also um, couldn't underscore the value of good turnover and what that can also do for you. So thank you so much for your time and yeah. the opportunity to be with you today, Shannon. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Appreciate it. To check out Shelley's article in the August issue of MGMA Connection and to learn more about retaining your best employees, visit mgma.org slash podcasts. <laughs>